Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. I'm learning every day from smart, innovative, creative people who see things and execute and deliver things that I never could imagine. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I call it actionable empowerment. Every single episode, you'll hear the story of a fantastic woman in tech, from engineers to founders to investors to journalists to designers, all sorts of different females in tech who have thrived. I want to share their stories with you so that you can know what resources, mentors, and life situations they accessed in order to get to where they are today. Enjoy. This week's Women in Tech podcast episodes are powered by Strayer University. Strayer University is the go-to place to get your MBA online. You can get your entire MBA via Facebook. What? Yes, it's true. And they have incredible video content to learn from, amazing instructors, a powerful leadership team, Strayer. Check them out at strayer.edu. Thank you, Strayer, for believing in women in tech. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. And today we are in Seattle, Washington at Microsoft Build. Yes. And I have Nicole here with us. Hello, Nicole. Hello. How are you? I warned you that I get bubbly. (laughs) (laughs) So, Nicole, go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone. Tell them a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, my name is Nicole Herskowitz. I work at Microsoft. I head up the application development side of our Azure marketing business. And so, I have some of the coolest tech on my team, everything from containers and serverless to developer tools like Visual Studio and Visual Studio Code to IoT and game development. So it's a really exciting and vibrant part of the company. So I love my job. So there's all sorts of people listening right now, people that are just starting out and curious to people super seasoned. Can you just for everybody that maybe isn't as familiar with the world, walk us through everything you just said to kind of break it down for us? Sure, yes. So um, I work on our Azure business. I head up our product marketing team. And Azure is our cloud that customers can use, especially like enterprises or companies that are moving out of their existing data centers or servers that they used to have on premises that they're going to turn to a company like Microsoft to run for them uh, in a public cloud. And um, there's a bunch of cool technologies to help developers build great applications that they can take advantage of these cloud services. And so my team has uh, some of those capabilities, which are uh, often called PaaS, or Platform as a Service, uh, where developers don't have to work about that, worry about that underlying infrastructure. They don't have to worry about servers or virtual machines. They can just focus on writing code. And so they can take advantage of what's called serverless technology. They can take advantage of containers for portability and density of their applications. And uh, that's a key part of the team. Also, developers write 
code in uh, tools like Visual Studio, Visual Studio Code, and my team is accountable for those in addition to how quickly they can deploy those technologies with our developer uh, services. And then I think I mentioned oh, IoT, yeah. which is Internet yeah. of Things, which is a really <laughs> cool, like making everything connected and smart at like what we often call the edge. Uh, IoT devices um, is a key kind of part of the world we, we execute against. And then game development. So writing cool games and taking advantage of the cloud to write uh, games that can scale and be very uh, elastic for customers. So. And have you always been in this role or did this evolve? Uh, meaning, did you start out as an engineer? Engineer, or like what has been your trajectory to get to where you are today? Starting how far back? Actually, let's start <laughs> when you were a kid. Did you play video games yourself? A little bit. I wasn't a major gamer, but um, my background is my dad was an engineer and was in technology. And so I was raised in a household with like the first computers. I remember my first laptop was a 486 uh, compact uh, laptop and everyone was blown away that like I had this computer. Uh, People were still using word processors and typewriters. So I think just there was a pervasiveness of technology in my house growing up and I had a sister. We were a house of girls and, you know, we just embraced technology. So I think that was a core part of my growing up. I love this. Wait, how many sisters do you have? Just one other sister. Okay, you have one other sister. Is she's in technology too? Yes, she's actually in like graphic design. So she's an artist that transformed her skills into applying that to technology. And so she runs an art department in a TV station and leads all their graphic designs all like through technology, which is another just way of how she got into the business as well. Totally, because we were talking about before we started recording that I've noticed a common theme amongst a lot of women in technology is that we had technology in our house growing up. Yeah. It's really interesting how that has that much impact on what we decide to pursue as adults. And so, okay, you went from this household of tech. Yeah. And then what happened? Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, one, the other, I'd say, element that's shaped me, the household of tech on my dad's side. And then on my mom's side, my family came from Eastern Europe. They came from Hungary. And my nice. grandmother started clothing businesses. So a total other side of the world. But I was the youngest of 12 grandchildren, and I helped her with her business. And my grandfather passed away when she was young. So she, as a woman falling in East Texas, which is where I grew up crazy, uh, was leading this business for 30 years on her own. And I did everything from helping manage inventory to shop for the clothes to work with the customers. And it was a very early learning experience for me of just how anyone can do anything and women can run businesses and kind of kind of lead their own path. And so that was a great role model for me. So I think this technology side of my dad with my grandmother's kind of influence was really, I think, helped formulate me. Um, so and so we, we were in Budapest a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, so this so, is exciting. Yeah. Well, my grandmother, my family's all from Hungary. So yeah, very much uh, that, that area. Um, and then I went, you know, went to college and after college, I ended up going into consulting and in what is now Accenture, but it was back then Anderson Consulting. And I worked with companies on how they would use and take advantage of technologies to improve their business processes, better serve customers. And so... But jumping back for a second, did no, you sorry. pursue it in school, in high school, in college, even in yeah. junior high? Yeah. I always was doing things um, in, t- in, like, in conjunction with technology. I wasn't doing coding in college. Um, I did business. So I kind of went more on the business side, but I took a lot of technology classes as well on the side. Um, you know, I did like web development 
development and just things more as like a hobby versus per se my actual degree. Um, and But I always, I guess, felt close and connected to technology. So when I went into my job post-school, I wanted to kind of apply that into, I guess, both of a business and technology mindset. From the beginning of, of you know your childhood into your life, you've always been exposed to the tech world, yeah. as have I, so from my dad, too. Yeah. And, and you also were exposed to business operations management, even um, the artistic side in fashion and yes. everything. And now you find yourself as, how did you get to being a consultant? Like, why did you pick that? It's a very serious profession. Yeah, it is very serious And there's profession. no art to it. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I mean, it's hard. I mean, in college, you don't know what to do. I remember being at that stage where I was like, I spent four years in college. I don't really know what to do. And so, you know, I talked to a lot of people. I started just interviewing with lots of companies. And I was excited about consulting, honestly, because I felt I was going to learn about a diverse set of industries. I would be able to travel a lot. I would be able to get this mix of technology and business. And I thought it was a great learning ground. But I didn't have this master plan that this was going to be, you know, the right job or the right career for me. And it was great, though. I mean, I did it for three years. I learned a ton. And then I realized, actually, I wanted to change. Uh, so I went back to school. And then after I got my a master's in business, and then after that degree, I'm like, I want to now go work for technology companies. And I wanted to get closer to actually the companies that built the technology. And I learned that in conjunction, I think, as like, my first job, going back to school, about what really motivated me and got me excited. Have you ever felt that you needed to know all the answers? Are you one of those people or were you just embracing the journey? Yeah, I think um, I remember struggling, wanting to know answers. Uh, I think as I reflect back now, I probably was more concerned about wanting to know the answers than recognizing that there's so much that you gain from the journey. And I kind of wish I would have had that bigger kind of worldview at the time growing up because uh, I think I wanted more control of my career. But I think I always took on a mindset of work hard, do your best, focus on something you're excited and passionate about. And opportunities will come your way and you'll network and you'll meet new people and you'll learn new things. And I've always just kept that mindset, which has, I think, helped me. What are you most proud of working at Microsoft, being a part of the Microsoft team? What's that one, maybe the one word that, that resonates with you when you think Microsoft? Yeah, I mean, I'm really passionate about the company's broader mission and the commitment to kind of empowering people and organizations to achieve around the world to achieve more. And so I think I see technology as an enabler as a way to help individuals or organizations really kind of turn their ideas or their passions or their business opportunities in something bigger. And so I can connect to that. Um, I'm very um, inspired by our, our leader and our leadership team. But honestly, it's also at the individual level. I love working with every single person I work with. I learn from them. I always realized that what makes me stay at Microsoft, I've now been here 16 years. That's uh, crazy. It's crazy. I know. I, I'm still blows, blows my mind away. But I'm just, I'm learning every day from smart, innovative, creative people who see things and, and execute and deliver things that I never could imagine. And so I think that that's my um, core to why I'm still here and why I keep on. I love it. I mean, it, so many people feel that, you know, working in a place even like one year, five years doesn't exist anymore. 
and here you are with a company. You're not going to stay with a company for 16 years unless it's where you want to be. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm a, I'm a learner. I, you, know, you take all these like, personality tests, and I, uh, I think I'm the happiest when I'm learning. I'm taking on new challenges. And I feel like I've had like eight careers in 16 years at Microsoft. Um, I spent seven years working out of our European headquarters, working with our customers and partners in other parts of the world. And I just gained so much from those experiences, just on a personal and a professional level. Um, I've worked on so many different commercial businesses across our company. And I've worked on big businesses, small businesses, felt like startups at time, felt like more mature businesses. And it's really just helped me develop and grow. And I'm, I'm never never bored and I'm definitely getting pushed. So you're right. Like you don't stick around if you don't really feel like you're growing as an individual. And what kind of insights would you give someone looking for the company that they want to pursue working with? What, what should they think about as they're on their search of like, where do I want to, you know, plant my, my feet for what potentially is the next 16 years? I, it, and again, <laughs> go through and be open to the journey, maybe shifting, but how do you even what questions should we ask ourselves and what kind of company we want to work with? Yeah. Um, one is never think you're joining a company for 16 years. That's kind of crazy. and overwhelming. <laughs> if you would have asked me 16 years ago, I would have said no way. Um, I mean, I always look at a set of things. One is the culture of the company. Like, is it a culture that you connect to, that you can feel excited to work for the broader vision and mission of the company? Next is who's the manager and the team that's going to surround you. Are you going to learn from that manager? Are you going to feel supported? Are you going to kind of have a right energy and diversity of talent of that organization? Like, are you seeing people that really will stretch you in different ways? And then finally, I always think about is, is the job going to challenge or push you? Uh, Is it a place where you can learn and grow and not be boxed into one, you know, kind of topic area or one, um, area to stretch and grow yourself. So I kind of look at those, uh, dynamics when I always considered a company or a job. So that'd be my advice. I love it. And what's one obstacle that you've successfully overcome? What did you learn from it and how did you overcome it? That's a good one. So after graduate school, um, I decided to go work for a startup. Um, I thought that oh, I needed to the, have a startup experience. That was the problem. Yeah. There's the there's, obstacle, there's, the startup. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, um, it was 2000, which was like the worst time to go work for a startup. Um, I worked for a SaaS CRM company, which was not Salesforce. And uh, this company... Um, you know, had great leadership, was well-funded, um, but made a lot of bad decisions. And I, someone had given me advice. They said, in the first week of joining a company, you will know if it was a good or a bad decision with oh, regards wow. to it. And, um, you know, I just, I think in the first week, recognized that there were some decisions being made across this company that wasn't going to make it survive. Um, but I stuck it out for a year and I worked super hard and it was hard for me because I kind of had a, I'd say a history of successes and it was a, you know, a failure. The company didn't succeed. I ultimately, you know, kind of found myself a year after grad school with a lot of debt and not at a place in my life where I 
couldn't have a job, you know, needed a job desperately. Um, but I learned a ton from it. I mean, I learned that all the funding, great leadership, those aren't, you know, the only things that it takes to make a, a company successful. We didn't have the right business model. We were spending in ways that weren't going to kind of really sustain over time as we built our customer base. And so there were a lot of great lessons that I could take from that experience so that when I went into my next job, I was looking more broadly and I wasn't assuming success. And so, you know, that was a a good learning experience for me, for sure. I'm dying to ask if you could give that company a piece of advice, like say time could rewind and you can say, hey, listen, if you do X, Y, Z, things may bode better for you. Like what would that piece of advice be? Yeah, I mean, I think um, there was a little bit too much excitement on um, awareness of um, the company and the product versus awesome customer experience and that a lot of money was spent on things like Super Bowl ads. And I think, wow, if all of that funding could have been spent on the development of a great product offering, that that would have given us then the ability to acquire more customers at a slower pace uh, and not kind of let the hype of, you know, the internet and all these businesses drive um, to, I think, some decision-making that maybe weren't ideal for that company. Yeah. Um, It reminds me of um, Dollar Shave Club, who successfully overcame that obstacle, but at one point, they're an L.A. startup, and at one point, they... uh, couldn't fulfill customer experience in in a high quality way. It was too many orders too fast and they didn't have their processes in place. Yes. But they've since figured it out, thankfully. Congrats to them. But like there was that point where it was like too much awareness, not enough customer delivery. Yes. Yeah. And customers were pissed. <laughs> and you know, com- companies that do overcome it, like you're become a lot stronger for that. They really, you know, staying close to your customer, understanding their needs. And when you do make a mistake, course correcting, uh, is, is a critical success factor for companies. So yeah. Oh, it's so well, exciting. Um, where can people connect with you online? Um, I am on Twitter. So Nicole Lamb uh, is my uh, handle. So. And can you spell it for everybody? Oh, Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-E, Lamb, L-A-M-B. So uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter, reach out. You know, I always love to hear great stories and great candidates too. <laughs> I'm always hiring on my team too. Oh, tell us, tell us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, if you are, you know, interested in technology, technical, but also really like marketing and engaging with customers, reach out to me. Um, I'm always, you know, looking for awesome, great talent. Um, I mentor lots of women actually, both at Microsoft and outside of Microsoft. Um, that's how I learn and grow. And so I'm always looking for just great um, people to come my way. And off the top of your head, do you know a a link that people could go to to explore more? Yeah. um, Well, Microsoft Careers is where we post all of our jobs. Um, But if there's specific areas, I typically, even through my Twitter account, I'll send uh, links out to specific roles that were posted on my, from related to my team. So check it out. So two last questions, very easy ones. Uh, your favorite book? Well, so this isn't appropriate for, uh, I was just thinking of the last book I read. Yeah. So I just read this book called Untangled and it is not probably your, um, your listener, uh, group. It sounds like is a lot younger, but it's about raising teenage daughters. So I have two no, daughters. No, we have a ton of moms. Oh, okay, yeah, we know great. We have just a huge range from 16 up until like 50s, 60s. Oh, it's just, awesome. I like to make sure that all, um, of our conversations 
like no one gets left behind. Awesome. So I, love I try it. to have, I do my best to have a happy balance. So everybody, all you moms out there, like aren't bored yes. with the conversation. And then all, all the girls out there are like, okay, I'm still t- hanging on too. And everybody gets an equal amount of love. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I didn't mention, I, yeah. have, I have two daughters yeah. myself. I have an eight and 10 year old daughter, uh, daughter, excuse me. And uh, I just read this book. I think I finished it last week called Untangled. And it's about raising teenage daughters. And I found it just super enlightening. Uh, just one, just talked about the girls and honestly, any adolescents as they grow up and try to move to a world of independence, which is critical. But then also thinking about technology and how technology has really influenced and changed the way girls are growing up and how as a parent you can support them and help them be responsible and accountable in a very more challenging uh, environment with social networks and things like that. And then your favorite tech tool. You know, my house is, uh, I'd say, teched out in every single way from, you know, a nest for managing our, uh, our temperature to Apple TVs that we use for, you know, our, um, all of our audio uh, and Sonos as well. <laughs> so I think I'm just surrounded by tech tools. Um, but I guess probably my, my favorite one is my husband and I use Wonderlist to kind of track our to-dos yeah. across each other. And oh. so it's my way to not nag my husband yeah. on things to do. And I can create shared to-dos and then kind of get him to follow up. So maybe that's my little tech tool. So for all the moms listening and all the single women hoping to have a family one day, they will kill me if I don't ask you this. Yes. And it's actually one of my favorite things to talk about. How are you able to maintain being a powerful, driven leader in technology and a mom and a wife? Yes. <laughs> You're never perfect at anything. Um, and I think uh, being self-aware that you sometimes are focused a little more on one of these elements the other is an important part. Uh, go, seeking perfection is not um, is something I've learned in my journey is not where I'm trying to operate. Um, but I do know my big rocks and I do know my big rocks are I'm committed to my work and my uh, personal growth and development that work provides me. Um, my daughters are a core part of who I am. I learn from them. I want them to have a great role model. So my work is a, a critical component of that. And my husband is my supportive, loving partner on this journey as well. And so um, I think it helps. I'm really clear about what are the most important things that I have to do. And I block off time so that I ensure I'm at you know, the right soccer games or my daughter's choir performance. And um, I allocate time and I, you know, communicate to my team or to my manager when I'm not going to be available. But I take that time. And I, I, I mean, Microsoft is fantastic. They let me flex my time so that I'm around at the right times for my family. And I make trade-offs with my husband. You cover here, I'll cover there to make it all work. Um, but, you know, at times I do miss things and we collectively have great communication in our household where we say, mommy's not going to be here, but, you know, I'm going to take time here to be a part of this very important event. And, uh, you know, you just, you make it work. Has it been a learning journey? Like, have you noticed there's been an evolution in how you handled things when maybe they were little babies and as they grew and you and your husband figured out a system that works for you and it wasn't, it took time? Yes. Yes. Actually, probably one of the biggest things I haven't mentioned yet is, um, when our kids were two and four, 
Uh, my husband and I just had both very demanding careers and we were going crazy and we made the decision to get an au pair. Um, we wanted, we needed more support. Um, we wanted to bring in international elements into our household totally. and have our kids maybe learn another language. And uh, we ended up deciding to get an au pair and uh, wonderful experiences that we've had with au pairs of just honestly broadening our, our children's kind of points of view and they're kind of beyond their little world of Seattle, which has been fantastic, um, but also putting a support infrastructure in for ourselves so that we could have another pair of hands helping us out with uh, the mom, dad, kid duties and all that good stuff. So, And where was she from? Or he? Columbia. She's from Columbia. And actually we've had two uh, uh, au pairs from Columbia that are absolutely fantastic. And do your kids now speak fluent Spanish? Not fluent, but they do speak some Spanish. <laughs> uh, we kind of try to do that more, uh, but they do speak Spanish. And, you know, one of our uh, au pairs, she stayed in the U.S. And so we have this extended family, too, which is really special. Oh, so nice. so uh, it's just opened our family to a, a broader set of people. And so it's been kind of another helpful thing. But you and your, like, partner and just need to have really open dialogues about what's working, what's not working, what do you need to put in place to kind of make the, you know, the family hum a little bit better and every household is different. So it's, it's a topic I love addressing because so many times you hear, you have to pick, you have to pick career or family or, or kids or the whole thing. I'm like, isn't it possible to have it all? And so I love sharing, of course, not every day is going to be perfect or harmonious or it's, always going to be a learning curve but I think in you can invent the possibility to have it all within our own stories it's it's having it all is different for each one of us yeah yeah and I think also like I involve my daughters a little bit in like what my work is so like if I do a presentation and I'm online and there's a video but they can like see mom and what she does and it makes them proud it makes them understand and see the potential of like types of jobs they could do. And so I think you're right. Like every day is, there are trade-offs, but I think the collection of days, you really can make it work. And so, so how old are they now? They are eight and 10. Nice. So congratulations. Yeah. No, it's super fun. Well, thank you so much for Nicole. (laughs) Thank you so much, Nicole, for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. Really appreciate it. Is there anything you wanted to say that we didn't touch base on yet? No, this is great. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of this podcast. I'm super inspired by everything that you're doing with oh, women and supporting thanks. women in technology. So thank you, Esprit. I it's appreciate great. it. You guys remember to say hello at Women in Tech Show on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. And I will see you guys, hear you guys, talk to you guys in the next episode. Oh, and also I forgot. Remember, we have the Women in Tech Facebook group. If you want to go there, it's womenintechvip.com. It takes you straight there, womenintechvip.com. All right, bye. Bye. Hi, this is Nicole Herskowitz. I am the general manager of Azure Product Marketing at Microsoft. We deliver software to customers around the world based in Seattle, Washington. And today you're listening to Women in Tech. This week's Women in Tech podcast episodes are powered by Strayer University. The Strayer University was actually established in 1892, and we have always helped adults move in their career using technology. So whether that's helping farmers move into clerical jobs in the city, allowing women to enter the workforce by also teaching them those same clerical skills, or today helping working adults get ahead by providing bachelor's and master's degrees. In fact, at Strayer, you can 
an MBA right now completely on your mobile device. Check them out at Strayer.edu. Thank you, Strayer, for believing in women in tech. I've been interviewing these outstanding women in tech here at Microsoft. It would not be possible if it wasn't with these four incredible men celebrating women in tech around me. Hello, guys. Hey. So tell me what this podcast central is all about. I'm Bharat, and we started this uh, two years ago at every big Microsoft event. Uh, Richard Campbell... Carl Franklin, uh, Dimitri Lylan, and, and myself, we've been trying to get folks to talk about all different topics of technology and how Microsoft relates to that. It's really an entrepreneurial project within a large corporation. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's driven by the heart. It's to attract different storytellers, if we could call podcasters that, mm-hmm. that you all really admire. It's to give women an opportunity to share their stories and their journeys. Mm-hmm. And so you've really all come together to make it possible. Um, so Microsoft Build isn't just another dev corporate tech conference. It's a, a place to share a powerful story and have it reach beyond the wall. Yeah, it's really amazing how much we, we can do sometimes at a big company like Microsoft. Like a lot of us and the company itself really tries to make sure that whatever we're doing, we're, we're making sure we're being inclusive, both from listening to the people that are outside the company, talking to us, and making sure that inside the company we have a diverse kind of set of voices and faces coming right. out and talking on podcasts and doing our keynotes. It, it really is an amazing place to work. What's great about it is that you get people who don't necessarily think about Microsoft you know, and their podcasters and their podcast listeners hearing uh, you know, these stories and technology uh, from Microsoft executives, people that they would not necessarily have access to uh, just you know, living inside their uh, JavaScript world or Ruby or whatever it is. And then, you know, we bring them here and we, we give them access to these people and they take it back. And now they're, they're expanding their reach and they're expanding uh, their uh, knowledge to include all the great stuff that jibes with their technology back home. Carl started Donna Rocks back in 2002, which is uh, about two years before the word podcast even existed. I came on board in 2005 on show 100. And here at Build, we recorded show 1,550. Yeah, we've been doing it a while. A little while. Yeah. And I also have a show called Run As Radio, which is an IT show. started later in 2007. But yep. uh, I think i got 580 in the can now. Yeah. And Dimitri, none of this would be possible without you signing off, I hear. Well, it was a bit crazy. So, yeah, I'm Dimitri Lylan, and I've been kind of with this effort since the beginning. Rich was like, I have this crazy idea. I just said, okay, let's make it happen. People didn't think we could. It was too late. It was no budget. It was, you know, whatever. All these stupid excuses. So I came over to Brad, and I'm like, Brad, I, I think I can find the money. I think Rich, you can help us organize it. I need somebody to help us run it. Can you help? Where can they find out more about your shows, more about what you do online? Well, our show is .NET Rocks. It's, you know, period N-E-T, R-O-C-K-S, or .NET Rocks.com, D-O-T-N-E-T-R-O-C-K-S.com. Or just search for it in your favorite podcast uh, directory. Directory. We're in them all. We're in them all. I'm just Barat on uh, Twitter, Barat Espot at Twitter. But, can you uh, spell that for everybody? Uh, B-H-A-R-A-T, S, uh, the letter S, uh, and then B. H A T. So perfect. Um, and Dimitri? I'm easy on Twitter. It's going to be uh, Lylan.com. That's L Y A L I N D O T C O M. That's my Twitter handle. It's, I'm easy to find. Perfect. Easy. Thank you so much for putting together Podcast Central and making this magical experience happen for everybody and spending the time on the Women in Tech Podcast.
Yeah, thank you, Esprit. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.